Okay, so welcome to episode 13 of From the Shed Den podcast with myself, T-Dot, and as always, joined by uh, another very happy Chelsea fan, uh, Theo. How are you doing? Oh, I'm still on cloud line. It's, <laughs> it's just, it hasn't really sunk in yet, but um, but yeah, I'm top of the world right now. Absolutely top of the world. Yeah, and um, likewise, you know, um, very hungover weekend, boozy weekend to be expected, but um as always, again, you can follow us on at From The Shed End on Twitter and also on Instagram at From The Shed End with underscore between each of the, the words. Um, give us a like, follow, c- communicate, interact with us on there as well. Um, we, you know, do all of that sort of stuff. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of content on there. So just give us a follow and uh, interact with us. But let's jump straight into it. Um, Champions League final. Brilliant result, brilliant performance, not just a result. It was a brilliant performance, I think, from the boys. Um, Theo, give us your thoughts. It's just an amazing feeling. It was, as you said, it wasn't just a Champions League victory and a Champions League triumph, but it was just an all-round amazing performance. Um, And I think just a very good Champions League campaign. I mean, when you compare it to that 2012 one and the way we won in 2012, it was just scary to watch at times, you know. 10 men at the new camp, you know, every single Barcelona player in our, in our half of the pitch, suppressing, attacking. Whereas this campaign, we've only conceded I think, four goals in total yeah. since the group stages. Yeah. And you, I just felt we were working cruise control all the way throughout. And to, you know, to top it off in the final with a 1-0 win and a clean sheet against a very strong Manchester City side, is it's an amazing feeling. And um, it still hasn't really sunk in. Um, I watched a game. I just tried to take it all in. And then I got into my bedroom and I was tasked with writing an article that I had to submit <laughs> the following morning. So I was writing out in my bedroom around 2am and I could still hear the helicopters flying over my house because I live near Stamford Bridge. I could yeah. hear the fans parading down the, the Fulham Road. I could hear the cars, you know, honking their, their klaxons and their, uh, and their siren. It was just, it was an absolute... But you wanted to join them. <laughs> I did, yeah. But I was just writing my article and I probably was too, you know, there was too much of a nervous wreck. I was still very nervous for some weird reason. Yeah. But um, but then I just, it was a weird feeling. And then all of a sudden at 4am, I just looked at my bedroom wall where I got pictures of the 2012 squad, you know, the, the starting 11 that started that day and the team celebrating the drug but equaliser. I just burst, burst into tears. I don't know why. It was just yeah. a very surreal moment. And it just felt like the team that we just saw under this, under Thomas Tuchel almost matched that you know the accomplishment of that 2012 squad with the likes of Drogba, yeah. Terry, Lampard, Ashley Cole, Petr Cech. So I think it's almost like we're witnessing you know the, the new kind of a new birth of talent at Chelsea and you know and all those pictures as well compare with Aspi you know holding the cup like Lampard did that same day, Mason Mount running with the trophy like Drogba the did. Yeah. Yeah it's um and then also the made you know that picture made in Chelsea with the Tammy Abraham Andrew in there, Mason Mount, Christensen, you know, all the young boys that, you know, came through the academy. It's almost just like, and then I said, oh, like, you could have told me come in January, we'd win the Champions League. I would have called you crazy. Mm. I would have called you crazy. Yeah. You know, the way our season was going, we just lost 2-0 to Leicester. Things were looking really, really bleak and dire for us. And now we've topped it up with, a, you know, another Champions League trophy again. So it's an amazing, amazing feeling. And as you said, not just in a, you know, a Champions League win, but also a very good um, performance. And not, a, I think every single player played their part in that victory or at least, yeah. you know, throughout that Champions League campaign as well. So Thomas Tuchel got it spot on on the night. 
Yeah. And I wanted to talk about, um, I know before we came on air, I was just saying that a lot of the sort of main media, main, mainstream media have almost picked up on the fact that Pep, which I agree, got it wrong um, tactically. It was just, I think I've said, maybe not on this podcast, but on a very, another podcast that sometimes Pep and maybe Tuchel has done this in the past as well, that they overcomplicate things when they don't really need to. And I think Pep done that on Saturday. Um, but the credit really should go to Thomas Tuchel because I think regardless of what team Pep Guardiola puts out, you know, he, he's still a team that we were underdogs for a reason, you know, um, during that game. Um, but I just wanted to talk about the lineups as well because it was a strange lineup from Pep not to have Rodri or uh, Fernandinho who I believe has started all the games this season. At least one of them has started a game and to, to not have either of them in the team. Um, it was a bit bizarre from, from my point of view. Raheem Sterling hasn't been in the best of form as well. Um, Kevin De Bruyne in a false nine sort of position as well at times as well. It didn't really, didn't really work for them. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, you did mention it in the previous episode we recorded that Pep likes to overcomplicate things. He um, he rarely names the same starting eleven, and I think that was the first time he named that specific eleven. You know, in a Champions League final, which is a very bold decision. I think the biggest surprise was not including Rodri in that in that team. You know, you've played you've probably one of your best midfielders. He started in every single, almost every single Premier League game, and probably all the previous Champions League games, or the large majority of them at least. And to start, I think it was at Gundogan and Bernardo. Silver and Bernardo Silva's not a natural CM, is he? So it was a bit surprising. But if I'm completely honest, when I did see that starting 11, I was quite frightened by it because I thought, you know, if you've got Gundogan, you've got De Bruyne, you've got Bernardo Silva, that means goals. That means these type of players that will get into dangerous positions, players that will get into the penalty box. And, you know, I, I think it was almost maybe Guardiola thinking, I'm going to start with this 11 and try to get that early goal or goal in the first half and maybe make those more defensive changes in the second half. Unfortunately for us, it didn't kind of pay off for, for Guardiola and Manchester City. And instead, you know, they looked almost a bit, I think Kante obviously was dominant in midfield and won that battle against the likes of Gundogan and, um, and Silva and even De Bruyne at times. So, um, he didn't get it right on the night. Guardiola was ta- tactics. And I think he left those substitutions until quite late as well. Obviously forced into the early De Bruyne one, just like we were forced into the Silva one. But, um, yeah, didn't work out for him on the night. Yeah. And just to talk about um, Thomas Tuchel and obviously Chelsea as well. I thought we started the game really well. Uh, um, I think the way that we ended our season, which was pretty poor, um, you know, we, we obviously we lost the FA Cup final, which is a massive, um, was a, a shocker. And um, the, the fact that we didn't, Yes, we got top four, but it's the way we got the, the you know the, the manner in which we got top four wasn't the best for us. So I just think the um, the team that we we had, regarded you know that, that the desire was there from Chelsea, and I look at Man City, and I'm pretty sure they lost to lost to Brighton, didn't they? Um, that sort of Tuesday before the last game of the season, they they sort of scraped a weird win against Newcastle before that. Um, there was obviously that sort of party that they had. Um, where I've, I don't know if you've, you've seen it, where Pep's sort of smoking a cigar and they're singing Oasis, and it's just you know you, you you've got the biggest game of not just your season but of your the club's you know history, the club's biggest game ever, and I just think you know whether it was arrogance from Man City, I don't know, but it just seemed very, we're going to win this. And um, Chelsea were up for it, you know, from the start. Mason Mount was up for it. I thought Reese James 
like you said, you, you know, we could name the whole 11 and we could give them a 10 out of 10. Um, they, they were performing really well. I do have to do my honourable. Can't believe Werner missed uh, the uh, the chances that he had. Um, I, I, I think he had two, didn't he? And I think oh, both on, of yeah. them, he, he should be scoring them. Um, and I did sort of think we might not win this. Um, but yeah, it was, a, you know, we, we, we were def- definitely the races. We, we wanted it more. Um, the desire was there from us, I think. Mm, yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, despite Man City having a lot, a lot more of the ball than us, especially in our first half, we had the more clear-cut chances. There's two Werner chances. Um, Mount had a very good chance, I think, at some point. Pulisic had that big, big chance in the second half to make it 2-0. But then I think that's a big credit to us in the way that we defended. I'm going to, you know, that, that Rudiger block for that Foden chance, yeah. I think, you know, that was a guaranteed goal almost. I don't think Mendy would have had that covered in this corner. And I celebrated that block like it was a goal, honestly, because it was huge. And then <laughs> the, the Aspi, you know, block when Jesus tried to cross it into Gundogan and he you know, managed to put it over the, the crossbar. Chilwell I came in with a great cross. Christensen towards the, uh, great block, sorry. Christensen at the very end of the game, really good block as well. And um, I think Mount at one point as well, you know, ran almost the whole pitch to recover the ball. And then I've lost count of the amount of times Kante was able to do that as well. But um yeah, we just seem to, you know, want him or have a bit more energy, a bit more hunger to regain the ball and create chances. I think a large, I think Guardiola um, Tuchel knew that we'd be kind of pressed, you know, quite early on. And also City would have a lot, lot more of the ball than us. So I think the game was won for us on the counter-attack. And we've had those players, you know, the likes of Werner, the likes of um, Mount, uh, Kante even, you know, with his pace. And a lot, a lot of the times it was just... Werner or Havertz just running on goal with maybe Stones or Diaz kind of level with them and that's where we create our chances from and that's where the goal came about maybe a bit poor defending maybe from Zinchenko possibly but overall an amazing ball from Mount that was able to cut through the defenders of you know Diaz and and Stones and um, so yeah I think it was credit to us for the way we played and as I said we almost felt like we wanted it more and I did some writing article saying the thing that gives me a bit of hope in this Champions League final is that this is uncharted territory for Man City. Whereas we've been in a final, lost it, you know, came back three, three or four years later and won it. And now, you know, we've got no players from that squad left, but at least, you know, that kind of, so that passion, you know, that these long Champions League runs, you know, so these players, you know, the likes of Aspi, maybe Giroud are approaching the end of their career and, you know, will want to kind of, you know, make history of Chelsea. So um, I think we wanted it more on the night, definitely. Yeah, and it was it was crucial, I think, for for us to start with Thiago Silva um, at centre back, and it was um, sad to see him come off, especially the way that he did. Um, I, I thought Christensen played brilliant, you know, when he came on and faded in between being the two centre backs. Um, bit of apprehensive, well, very apprehensive before because he, he he's a very good centre back for me, but he's not a Thiago Silva. So for me, you know, to see him. Um, come in and to play the way he did was was brilliant. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the um, Rudiger and Kevin De Bruyne sort of coming together because um, it was again I've read stuff on social media and um, I think even uh, Roberto Martinez said that it was a, a sending off. It was a you know it was a foul that deserved a red card. Um, I, I don't agree with that, but I just wanted to get your thoughts and see see if you agreed with the main. No consensus that it was a, a red card. Oh, it was definitely not um, a red card at all. It was definitely a worthy of a yellow. We see those type of fouls a lot when you know the defender, the player is able to try to you know with more pace 
get past the defender and the defender just stands his ground and blocks the, the player. And unfortunately for De Bruyne, it, he came he came out of there a bit worse. And I think maybe, I, I still don't really see it where the contact was made, but I think it was his shoulder level oh, with yeah, his yeah. nose and eye socket. Um, but, you know, we see those fouls quite often. But I think in this mm. situation, they obviously it was just a really bad timing with the way that Rudiger's shoulder made contact with um, De Bruyne's face. And he came, he, you know, he suffered really a, quite a bad injury as we saw on the bench and had to, to be rushed um, even off the, the substitute's bench. But um, but no, definitely not, not a red. Um, definitely a, uh, it was yellow. And I think I liked, I liked, I thought the referee was brilliant on a day actually. Um, Matteo, yeah. um, uh, Matteo, uh, I think it's Laos or... I'll, I'll leave, leave that one to you. <laughs> Sorry, Antonio Matu Lajos, Spanish referee. He was absolutely go. brilliant. Yep. He was yep. absolutely brilliant. Um, he did, you know, Rudiger was obviously in a bit of discomfort as well, but made sure to book him. Um, you know, he kind of cemented yeah. his ground quite early on. It's quite easy to, you know, lose it in a Champions League final, you know, show a lot of yellows, but he kind of cemented his authority. And even for that Reese James potential handball, he saw what he yeah. saw and made it clear to the players that he saw that it was you know, chest, then hand, and, you know, made sure to show that symbol, you know, pointing to his shoulder, pointing to his chest, being like, this is, you know, it touched his chest, then his hand, to show the, the Man City players that he saw it. But, you know, he, he saw as well that it touched his mm-hmm. his chest before his arm. And, um, yeah, just an all-round great um, refereeing performance. You know, we've spoken a lot about poor refereeing in um, in league games, and it's worth pointing out that for once we've had a, a really good um, referee, you know, officiate our game in a big Champions League one. So um, yeah, credit to him, and uh, you know, I just wish we had more of that in the Premier League. Yeah, and I, I second that. You know, I think the handball uh, situation was a, a massive call, and I like the fact that VAR had a look at it, and within probably ten seconds or less, they'd looked at it, they'd reviewed it, they'd obviously communicated to the to the referee that he was correct as well. Um, game carried on, you know. So I thought there was a couple of challenges where you know you think, oh, you know, you should be getting a yellow card for that. Um, but overall, I think the referee and the, all the officials were, were brilliant as well. Um, so we need to, you know, if we're going to use VAR, that is the correct way to do it for me. Um, but let, let's talk about um, the seven minutes. <laughs> Stoppage time. How how, uh, how were the nerves at that point? <laughs> it was, yeah. Um I just I made think they had a chance, didn't they? I'm, I'm sure they, they had did. a chance. Mares had a big um, chance that just Mahrez, skimmed the crossbar, yeah. skied over the bar. Yeah, my heart did skip a beat when that ball was, you know, mid air. But um, but overall, I kind of had in the back of my mind we've defended so well, so valiantly throughout the season. It's just seven mm. more minutes. It's just seven more minutes, and a few times, luckily, I think Chilwell was able to win a foul for us and a free kick, and you know that kind of calmed the ball of the play a bit and. Um, but yeah, it was not good for the heart and the nerves that seven minutes, I'll be honest. I just made, you know, my eyes didn't break contact on the TV. And um, I, think, I think that last moment when Mendy just caught the ball, you could just see the referee, you know, it was almost like a bit of a, did he just blow his whistle? Yes, he did blow his whistle. Yeah. And then it wasn't even seven knees. minutes. It was, no, it's it was six, six minutes, minutes, 58, I think. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think yeah. Mendy would have just booted it up the pitch and I would have been game over. But, um, but yeah, very nervy seven minutes, if I'm honest. But, uh, but the way we defended, I think we made it a bit more comfortable as well. Yeah, yeah. And rightfully so, Kante receiving man of the match. Um, I think he got that in both semi-finals as well. I'm sure I read that, didn't he? That he, mm. he was man of the match 
And one of the things that I spoke about um, offline uh, in a WhatsApp group chat was around Kante being a Ballon d'Or winner because to me he's he's that level of a, a player that he should he shouldn't just be a nominee he should be in contention to win that um he's that good of a player and i think if france do have a really good euros which i expect them to is he in the shout for the ballon d'or 100 percent, 100 percent. you look at 2018 when luka modric won it you know he just he was a world cup finalist that year luka modric and he was also mm. a champions league winner and I think France will at least make the semi-finals of the Euros this year. And Kante is a Champions League winner. Um, you know, he's he's had a very good Premier League season. He, I think he, he said, yeah, he's, he was champ, a man of the match in the two semi-finals against um, Real Madrid and in the final. And I think one of the previous games, I think either the Porto get one of the Porto ones or the Atletico ones. But um, he's he's won it all in his career. I think except the League Cup now. But uh, I think. The one that's missing yeah. is maybe the Euros and on a part on an individual level, um, the the Ballon d'Or. And as I said, if um, if Modric is able to win it, then Kante should be able to win it too. And I did just read before we started recording this that um, Didier Deschamps said um, that he doesn't think Kante is able to win it because he doesn't create enough chances or score goals, which is a bit surprising because you'd want the backing of mm-hmm. your manager, I feel. But also maybe there's a bit of truth in that as well. Modric is maybe a bit more of a creative player. But at the same time, if players like Manuel Neuer, I think it was a couple of years ago. After the was, I think Virgil van Dijk as well. Was he, van Dijk was, was amongst the three, yeah. And I think Neuer yeah. was amongst the three in 2014 or 2015. So you, you are getting these kind of defenders or more less less offensive players, let's put it like that's, you know, being nominated for, for the Ballon d'Or. So um, I think I think Kante will be very, very, um, he's got a high chance of making the top three at least. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't know if I sent it to you, but there was a picture of his timeline from when he mm. started football and to where he is now. And you just think, and that's, it's a very short space of, of time to do what he's done. Um, he's a player that we just can't afford to lose. I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point a club will come in from maybe a PSG will come in for him at some point. Um, I just think he's a, he's, world class um, you know first class world class the Rolls Royce of, of what we need um, I wanted to mention uh, Mason Mount as well I know you mentioned him earlier around the, the, the pass as well but um, to be in a, a playoff final and lose the playoff final two years ago um, I think you tweeted this actually didn't you um, and then to to be in the Champions League final and to win it as well um, bright future ahead of him Really, really bright future. We've spoken a lot about Mount on these recordings, but um, it just feels like he's he two, I think twenty. He's twenty two, yeah, and he just seems like he's he's so mature now for his age. He's got a, a very elite mentality. They said, um, I think in his post match interview after the game, he said, you know, I've been at Chelsea now in the senior team for two years, and I've lost two two finals. Obviously, those two FA Cup finals. But to win this now means the world to me. And it almost shows that he's learned so much from those two FA Cup mm. finals. And also that when we got, you know, when Bayern Munich knocked us out of the Champions League last 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 summer, you could kind of see the Reese James and the Mason Mounts. It was almost like a big, big learning curve for them. And, you know, and I think they, they took a lot from that Champions League, that first Champions League campaign under, under, under Frank Lampard and almost matured so much this season into really, you know, world beaters, if anything. And mm. I, as I, as I said in the previous recording, they'll be the first names, the likes of Reese James, Mason Mount in, in Southgate's um, starting 11 at the Euros this summer. But, um, but yeah, he just, it's almost, you forget that he's only 22. It's only his second season in the Premier League. 
is only his, you know, you'd think a player like that had been in a, a couple Champions League finals in the past with the way, in the, yeah. the way he played, but um, elite mentality, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, and it was good, obviously, Kai Havertz to get his goal. Um, I, I don't know if you got to see his, his um, post-match interview at the end of the game, <laughs> but it was just, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, euphoria must have got, got the better of him, but I, I can see him having a, a brilliant season next season. Um, I know I've criticised him a lot alongside Timo Werner, but I just think we, if he had, you know, he's got the goal that's won the Champions League, he's going to be on a high for the whole of the summer. He's going to go to the Euros, come back a, a, a good player for us, I think. But um, just just seeing that team that we've got now, you know, I, I, we said it in the last episode, I can just see us going for the Premier League next season. Mm. Um, I really can. You know, I think we've got the, the the squad there. We've got everything there. We've got a spine, which is what you've, you know, the key thing. We've got a, a key prim Mendy, which we, we, we did speak about, obviously, um, transfer targets in the last episode. But we've got a squad there. We can go for the league next season. And, and I, I suppose also the pressure will change now for, for Tuchel. I think had he not won the Champions League, would the would the expectation have probably been to win the league? Uh, probably not for me, but I think we've won the Champions League now. The expectations have probably changed for next season. Mm. Yeah, I think when you, similarly to Di Matteo, when he won the Champions League in 2012, you know, he had a bit of a poor start to the league and was sacked come November. So I think the expectations are higher, but at the same time, no disrespect to Di Matteo, but we've got Thomas Tuchel as a much more kind of experienced manager. And, you know, I think he's got more, he's more knowledge of the game, as I said in the last episode as well. So I think he's, and he even said as well, straight after the game, you know, this is just the beginning. I want to win more. You know, this is giving me a, a taste of what Champions League glory is like. Next year, I want to go, you know, win more trophies. And I almost, I'm almost disappointed now that it's a summer break. I just want to keep winning and keep getting trophies. That's what you love to hear as a manager. It's almost that winning mentality that we've missed in the last couple of years. And um, arguably a league, a, a league trophy, even though it's probably not as prestigious as a Champions League nowadays, but um, it's more difficult. It's a 38-game season, whereas Champions mm-hmm. League, I think, is, is it 13, 13 games, I think. So it's, um, and it's, as you said, we've got our spine in the squad, maybe just missing that prolific number nine, which we keep talking about. But once we get that player, and I think we know who it's going to be now in the Romelu Lukaku, most likely then I think yeah. we've got a very, very, you know, a squad that's able to not just to compete for the league next season, but for the league across the next maybe five to 10 years, you know, the young kind of talent that's coming through the, the squad and also some talent out and learn that we haven't mentioned, like Gallagher, like Mark Wehi. So um, it's a really, really exciting time to be a Chelsea fan, I feel. Yeah. And I know you tweeted this earlier um, around the, the Super Cup that we've now got, I think it's in Belfast this year, isn't it? I'm sure yeah, I was, looking, I was looking at flights. I was looking at flights <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not it's not too far, is it? It's just, what, yeah. Half an hour, 40 minutes on the yeah. plane? It's a far, big regret so. of mine. It's a big regret of mine not being in Porto on Saturday. So I just feel like making up for it and trying to get to Belfast. Yeah, and it did look um, it did look amazing in Porto. I know there was a lot of fans. I think if I read correctly, there was 30,000. Obviously, there wasn't that many in the stadium, but there 30,000 Manchester City and Chelsea fans were there. So I'm sure a lot of the bars were um, were happy to get the tourism and it just looked amazing. You know, it was, it was glad that I'm glad that we came away with the cup and we came away winners because I can only imagine going there and having to fly back. Um, but it was so good, look, you know, seeing everyone's pictures and videos of, of them over there as well. 
Yeah, hopefully. It looked great. Amazing atmosphere. And I think Porto as a city, I haven't been there yet, but it, it's on my bucket list. So um, if I go there in, in the near future, I'll be in the back of my mind. This is where all the Chelsea fans, you know, celebrate it. So <laughs> it'll be kind of a, yeah. you know, a symbolic city for us in the next couple of years. But hopefully Belfast, if I do get there in August, then the atmosphere will be similar. You know, Villarreal, I don't underestimate them, but um, we played in um, two Super Cups, three Super Cups in the past and lost all three. So um, yeah. it almost feels like redemption now. You know, we want, to, we, want, we want to get trophies and I think we have the right manager this time to do it. And also the Club World Cup, you know, it was disappointing last time we were in it. So um, yeah. we lost the Corinthians in the final and the, we had Rafa Benitez in the man. I think was it in, was it in Tokyo in Japan or some, somewhere was, in Japan, I think. I think. It was, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, two tro- you know two trophies that we we'll want to win, and also have that little badge on our shirt if we win the club World Cup as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one. I think, like you said, we've, we've we've lost three Super Cups. I do think I do fancy fancy ourselves this time around. Um, Villarreal, I think they're a, a team that obviously can cause the likes of Man United problems, but I do think we've got a better squad. The Man United, I think we'll be we'll be going into that game wanting to win it um, because of the fact we haven't in the last three attempts as well. Um, and yeah, you know, I think if we can get the two trophies as well as the Champions League, to me, that's probably been one of our successful seasons. It's, it's definitely a successful season, um, however way you want to look at it. And going into next season, it kicks us off on the right the right path as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just feel. It almost kind of annoys me that we've never won a Super Cup. I know we're very difficult opponents we've had in the past, Atletico, Bayern Munich, and then Liverpool um, two summers ago. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's a, it's a trophy that we should be winning. You know, no disrespect to Villarreal, but as you mentioned, we should be beating them. They did very well across this Europa League campaign, but I think that's because they had that almost that drive and mentality, you know, for that specific campaign. But come two months' time, you know, maybe they'll be a bit have that hungover from the summer or have, you know, have a lot, maybe some players would have left, some players would have come in. Um, so I expect us to kind of, you know, get a, get a victory on, on August 11th, I think it is in Belfast. August the 11th. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been to Belfast before. So it's a lovely, lovely place, but um, yeah, you know, we have, I don't think we've won it. Have we since uh, 1998? I think that was the Real Madrid game. The, the super oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that was the last time he won I think so yeah, um, yeah it'd, be, it'd be interesting I'm trying to think the, the years when we lost it would have been 2012 13 and 2019 I think yeah that's correct so um, yeah you know we'll be um, we'll be eyeing up both of those trophies put them put them alongside the, the Champions League um, so yeah I'm looking forward to those as well be, be a good way to start the season as well yeah looking forward to those games for sure yeah, and just just as we we wrap up, um, obviously I told you, but I can't wait for my Champions of Europe shirt to come. Uh, um, I'm seeing everyone on Twitter; they've already got theirs, which is strange. You must be able to get them from the the actual uh, mega store. But um, yeah, it's going to be. I'm going to tempt you to get one. I'm going to get get you to get one as well. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they I'm, are, not, I'm not a fan of that of beauty. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the actual kit, but with the Champions of Europe 21 and the two stars, it's very, very tempting. And I was going for it a little too walk. much to pass up on. Yeah, I was going for a walk in the Battersea Park um, yesterday, and I saw three people wearing it, and it did tempt me even more. Um, 
but I'll just I need to get some kind of memorabilia from the match. Um, I know I've got my yeah. match day program coming soon from the game. But if I can get some kind of you know prints to hang up in my room um, alongside my 2012 ones, then that'll be some a great little souvenir. But um, this the kit I'm wearing now, the Thiago Silva <laughs> one, I think will remain quite iconic. So I'll definitely keep hold of this and maybe try to limit the times I put it in the wash in case any of the patterns fade or the lettering on the back. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's- um, it was. It was. Now you mentioned him. I don't know if you got to see the video of, of Silver. He was almost like the second uh, second manager behind Tuchel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It was brilliant. It's brilliant to see because you know we've always. I mean, we've had John, John Terry's done that before in the past as well. We know that when, he, especially under Roberto Di Matteo, um, and you need that. You need that focal person, someone who's a second leader in in there as well to do that. Mm, yeah, he's he's even in the. I think the second leg of the Atletico game when he was suspended or injured and he was up in the stands, he was barking orders down on the pitch. Yeah. You know, if we are able to sign him down to another one-year contract and have him for another year going into these big Champions League games, Super Cup games, Club World Cup games, he's the type of player you want, that leader mentality um, alongside Asby. I think they're the two leaders in our squad. And I did put a tweet, tweet up uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, the four players, I think, that really need this Champions League for me were Thiago Silva, Cesar Espilicueta, N'Golo Kante and Olivier Giroud. You know, it's kind of the older ones in our team who deserve a Champions League in their, in their cabinet. And I think they're, they're great players. They've won a lot of trophies, but never the Champions League. So I'm really pleased for those four. But um, the whole squad, really, when you look at the celebrations, every single one of them seemed happy. And also, as I mentioned, they all seemed to play their part. Even Kepa played that game against Krasnodar. Um, Anjouin played yeah. against Krasnodar. Billy Gilmore played too. Tammy Abraham scored some crucial goals in the group stage against Ren. Hudson Adoy, we're forgetting that he scored one or two goals in yeah. the, I think against against Krasnodar away and Ren ran away as well. So um, you know, a lot of the time when you for 2012, when you saw some of those players lift the trophy, you were a bit like, you know, did you play a part in this? Maybe not. But um <laughs> this year, this year, every single one of them deserves it. And also even Kepa, the way he celebrated, put a big smile on my face because you know he's had it yeah. had a difficult last you know year or two and to see him smiling again you know he's he's activated his comments now on instagram and i left him a, a message just with support i think he's the type of player that needs it and will that do him a world of good and it's just it was just really really nice to see and i've watched like every single celebration video 10 times just to like try to take it in and watch just it to make just to make sure it's real <laughs> just to make sure it's real real exactly and also <laughs> analyze all the little details of who's celebrating with who, like who his yeah. family members who it's just, it was just really nice to see. Yeah. And from the news that we, we've been reading over the weekend as well, Thomas Tuchel's um, spoken to Roman Abramovich about the extension of the contract. And um, I think he's going to be offered a two year deal, um, which is what was in the plan anyway. I think it was mm-hmm. to, just the extension of what the 18 month, 18 month original contract was as well. So that'll be good. Um, I think, We'd be we'd be stupid not to, and he he loves yeah. obviously being at Chelsea, so um, that makes sense. Uh, and I think there was another player. I think it might have been um, Kante. 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 I think, I think Kante's contract needs to be extended. He deserves it anyway. I think he yeah. deserves a new contract, doesn't he? He definitely. I think it, yeah. Tuchel contract extension. Kante contract extension. Silva contract extension. I think I saw a, a Fabrizio Romano tweet about it. But if we can get yeah. three, those two players and the manager to new um, sign new contracts. Then I'll feel like you know three sign- new signings, if anything. Um, still a bit unsure about the Tammy and Giroud situation where they'll be um, come the end of June. But um, 
I mentioned it before, I love Giroud to sign an extra one year, you know, play maybe second fiddle to a Lukaku or a Werner or Havertz, but um, but I'm not sure it's looking very unlikely. And if that was his final game for Chelsea, even if he didn't get to play, but the way he celebrated, then what a way to kind of sign off. And another player that I didn't mention yeah. that, you know, scored some crucial goals for us in the Champions League, the oh, four yeah. goals against Ren, um, against Sevilla, sorry, um, the winner against Ren, and not to mention the bicycle kick against Atletico to get that crucial away goal. Yeah. So another player that deserves when he when he lifted that trophy he's probably one one of the players who deserves it the most so that play to him oh yeah definitely definitely 100% so um, yeah I agree I'm glad that we've signed off the season obviously the Premier League wasn't wasn't the best of of seasons Um, I, I still think we've done really well to get the top four to end it with the Champions League which like you said at the start of this episode you know in January if anyone had said that to us we would have just you know, laughed them out of the room, but, um, you know, to, to end it on a, on a high, um, obviously the players now have gone off to the Euros, um, which we've got a quite a, a large proportion of, of our players, I think have made their squads. Um, I don't think there's many that hasn't. So, um, it'd be interesting to see them over the summer and yeah, you know, I just think what a way to end our, our season. Yeah. It's, I'm happy it's the summer cause it was a bit of a nervy time in the Prem at times, you, you know, when you, you lose a game, on a weekend, it would almost ruin your mood to have that almost couple of months now. We can just relax a bit and enjoy the Euros and knowing we're the champions of Europe as well is a great feeling. But um, but there's still room, you know, improvement in the in the Premier League, a bit more consistency possibly against the smaller teams. But uh, we go again in, um, in August. Um, I think fixtures for the Prem come out on June 16th. So I'll keep an eye out for those and all those big, big, yeah. big games that you, you want to look out for. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, as as always, you can you can follow us on at from the shed end on Twitter, and at from the shed end with underscore between each of the words on Instagram. Um, Theo, do you want to just give the listeners your Twitter handle as well? Yeah, so I'm on. You can find me on Twitter um, at Sesky Time. So Sesky spelled the Sesk Fabregas way. Um, make sure you give me if you want to give me a follow and drop me some messages or engage in my tweets I'm always happy to talk to you all and I publish a couple of my um, fan report articles for the Champions League journal so make sure to give those a read and let me know your thoughts as well yeah and you can find me on at t dot underscore producer on Twitter and like Theo interact with me follow me um, yeah just talk to me and um, yeah let's have some banter over the summer for the Euros as well um, but this has been episode 13 of From the Shed End Podcast with myself, T. Dot, and Theo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>